Welcome to Forge Comics. Your one-stop shop for discovering more about comic book characters, stories, and general analysis of these epic tales. So join us on this journey across mediums and multiverses to learn more about the amazing world of comics. I'm Trey. This is Jojo. And I'm Petey. Okay, welcome everyone to another week with us at Forge Comics. Not too much to discuss in comic book news news for this week. Uh, obviously, the biggest thing is that Black Widow came out. Uh, I did see it this weekend, but JoJo and Trey have not, so we won't dive down into it too much. Um, what we want to do this week more than anything else is talk about Civil War. We talked a lot last week about Captain America, and we kind of wanted to keep that discussion going and break into Civil War. Um, and we're going to talk about the comic series and the movie and, and break them down. Um, do you guys have any opening statements you want to say about this wonderful storyline? Don't <laughs> read it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no one's going to listen to the rest of this podcast. <laughs> well, somehow I simultaneously support what Joe said, and also reading it made me realize how bad the movie was. So I don't know. You take from that what you will. Yeah, we're, we've got a lot to say about this. This is probably going to be a, interesting. I think the biggest thing for me really is because we read Kingdom Come before and that was just way way better than than this so I, yeah. I didn't like kingdom come that much either so i love kingdom come but anyway it's been a rough two weeks for me yeah <laughs> you haven't been hitting them very well i guess on our reading we, we need to find one that you like again i am reading x of swords which is like the biggest x-men crossover they've done it's like a 22 part series and it's pretty insane so thick I read about 70 issues of build up because I didn't know what to read and what not to, and then didn't realize that the crossover was 22 issues. So now I'm like a hundred issues deep. It's pretty cool though. You do have a, a full-time job, right? <laughs> it's also a child. Yeah. <laughs> That's impressive. <laughs> I read very fast though. Most people would say I don't, I don't savor the art enough, but that's because there's too much to read. Yeah, that's fair. All right, well, we can, I guess, go ahead and start with this. Before we get into anything else, we should probably break it down just a little bit. We want to break down the comic, obviously the movie. You can go watch it and come back. Um, so the whole catalyst of the comic is these superheroes called the New Warriors. Uh, they have a reality show where they go and take down bad guys. Pretty ridiculous. They take on more that you can handle in the show for more hits. And they take on a villain that's too powerful in Nitro, and Nitro causes a bomb with his powers, basically exploding himself and kills a thousand people. I, I actually I actually don't think it's that ridiculous. I actually think that if superheroes existed and yeah. young people had powers, I actually think that was one of the most realistic things that happened in the comic. This totally would happen. Absolutely. 100%. So they, a bunch of people got killed. Um, and after that, obviously, people are kind of up in arms against superheroes, rightfully so. Um, they go to this funeral for all these, it's more of a memorial service, obviously, for all these kids that died. Um, and at the funeral, Tony shows up to support the, obviously, the, the hurt ones. And one of the moms comes up and spits at him, saying it's his fault because he inspires kids to go out and do these types of things. So he gets very offended and goes and works with Congress on the Superhero Registration Act. Um, really quick, can one of you guys give me a breakdown of what that is? It's basically where the superheroes have to declare their their real identity, and then they're 
basically subjects to the government. So the government kind of gives the last say on what their mission is, I guess. Well, yeah. I will say for, for a lot, in a lot of ways up to this point, I, I like the comic way better than the show, the movie. I thought this experience with the kids blowing up the bus with the reality show was a way better kickoff to this whole conflict versus Scarlet, Witch choosing to save a hundred thousand people and you know like when she lifted the bomb or whatever into the air and then instead a, a thousand people died she clearly saved the more lives i didn't think that was a very good example of why superheroes should register in the movie I thought this was much better and then i actually thought tony's plan was was pretty fleshed out and it wasn't that bad their identities weren't like public they were just recorded with the government and they were all federal employees and they were they were paid and they had benefits so it's not it wasn't like a completely raw deal where they just had to like write their name down. You know, there there were benefit there were benefits too to doing it. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah you're no, right I on want that. To clarify if we're, before we get started. Yeah, the debates are already already going to get heated up. <laughs> well, and with the MCU version, there were two parts to it. There was the Scarlet Witch part, but there is also yeah, what happened in Sokovia, right? And that's the parallel between that's the parallel between Tony Stark in the comics with the mother and then in the movie with the mother as well, whose son was on kind of like a voluntary mission trip in Sokovia um, and he died, right? Wait, so there, oh, there were two, wait, her lifting up the explosion wasn't, that wasn't? That was kind of like the, the straw that broke the camel's back. Right, and then, oh, and then they referenced what happened in Age of Ultron. I got yeah. you, either yeah. way. Yeah, that's, that's fair, I guess. This is, this is still a better example. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's a good way of looking at it. I think I mean obviously they're called the Sokovia Accords for a reason. Because of what happened in Sokovia with Age of Ultron, this is why we need these types of registration. But similar idea. Um this one does make a little more sense. I think it is more fleshed out. Basically Iron is the poster child for them, and then Captain America refuses to be Maria Maria Hill's poster child. She thought he was gonna be the dog, the general, you know agent that he's supposed to be from the nation and he's like i'm not i can't get behind this i won't do it and so obviously that puts him in direct conflict with the government and with iron man at this point um maybe we can break down a little bit at this point who are some heroes that are in favor of the superhero registration act what their main motive is and then we can talk about those who support captain america who are some of the main ones that you guys can think of on on iron man's side so we have reed richards and then iron man obviously and yeah, yeah, I think we're all in agreement. Reed Richards, a terrible character in general, and he's awful in this one. I don't even, to be honest, I don't even remember the reason behind like why he chose Iron Man's side. That might be just me neglecting or rejecting anything that came from him. But do you guys remember if there was a reason behind it? I think what I remember hearing is that it had something to do with his intellect, that he respected his intellect, so it had to be the right decision. I remember seeing that, because it was in contrast to another character who wanted to go with Cap because of his moral decision, but they were like, well, Iron Man's smarter, so he's, I mean, Reed respects intelligence more than anything else, because... Yeah, yeah, I would say, yeah, and Reed, Reed's kind of a, kind of a company man. I mean, he's funded, he's already, he's already public, he's already got his identity public, too, so... The Fantastic right. Four were a shoe-in for Iron Man's team for the most part. Yeah, and I guess you could make the same argument for Hank Pym as well. Yeah, same thing. Um, 
So. Yeah. So Hank Pym and his team. What are some maybe the ones that those are kind of like the the three that are really big. Are there any other like more minor characters that you think played a big part in this? Uh, she Hulk, I think, was one that kind of stood out to me. Um, and I guess she's the only one that stood out to me <laughs> that I remember. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, most of my favorite characters, ironically, sided with Cap, so I didn't actually make too much of a note mentally about who sided with Iron Man, even though my personal allegiance may have been more in his lane. Um, I mean, I know Tigra was on Iron Man's side. And I can't really think of any. It's hard because the big one, Spider-Man. Yeah, it is hard because they also like, when you're looking at these panels, it's usually they're like these snapshots of battles with a bunch of people on both sides. So you kind of have to analyze it. If you don't want to see the main characters, you want to dive into who else is there. You kind of have to go beyond just the top three that are right there in the front of the panel. So I started a little bit more with Captain America. So obviously I paid more attention to who's on his side. Uh, you've got Captain America, you've got Daredevil, uh, Sue Storm ends up joining them, Ben Grimm's on their side, uh, Frank Castle, there's a, a lot of people on his side too. Can you guys think of any of the, of the other ones that are pretty big characters for um, Captain America? Cable, US Agent. Falcon. Beta Ray Bill. Yeah. So it goes back and forth on both sides. Um, I do think some people join Iron Man for the same reason some people join Cap. If they have relationships with them, they're more fond of them. They just get along with them better. I mean, obviously Falcon's going to be with with Cap. I mean, that's that's a given. And James Rhodes is going to be with Iron Man. Like that's obvious. And what, you saw, also what you saw a lot of too was people had Cap in such high esteem that they said. Cap chose this. It must be. It must be the correct move. Cap is the epitome of of morality, it, it, which I think is problematic in and of itself, right? The the Amer like just blindly following without thinking, you know. And it was kind of interesting to see them put him on a pedestal. I thought the way they did with Frank Castle is very cool because he is an insane man. So to have like an arbitrary line where he refuses to fight back against Captain America is interesting. The rest of them kind of blindly following him didn't really sit super well with me, but that is kind of how he got most of them on his team. Yeah. Oh, there was the Patriot as well. Yeah, whoever that was. I've never heard of him. I don't think he's... Yeah, but he had somewhat of a big role for the minor characters. Kind of did, yeah. You're right. So. Yeah, there's... I'm, I just pulled up a, like, a picture of all of Iron Man's side and all of Cap's, and there, I mean, there's tons, so it's really hard to go through all of them. For the for the most uh, part, the, the X Men stayed out of it. I know Wolverine chose not yeah. to fight. I think Storm sided with Cap, and then I read an offshoot comic that was very interesting because I think one of the more interesting dynamics in, in Marvel comics is when you get the X Men and Wakanda and Namor involved because you've got and Doom too, and actually all three of those parties were they didn't really want to get involved but we're all against the registration, which I thought was very interesting. And it would make sense because they're like, I mean, Namor didn't give two craps really, but agreed that the U S registration was bad. But essentially what they said was, you think this registration act ends with the United States? No way. They're going to come for all superpower people all over. And like at one point, I think T'Challa was basically like, it scares me that Dr. Doom is right in this situation <laughs> being against the registration act. And then you also have Doctor Strange, who's kind of um, 
I guess you can make the comparison to in Kingdom Come, he's um, Norman. Or the in, oh, yeah. yeah. Norman, because he's with the Watchmen, and yeah. Yeah. And the Watchmen, you can compare to the Spectre. So um, in the end, he kind of has like this perspective of like neither side's wrong. So, so I'm curious, are there any decisions of the characters that surprised you that they chose the side they chose? For me, I'll be honest, most of them seem pretty standard. Like I wasn't shocked by any of them. It, it made sense for most of the decisions that like, oh yeah, he would side with this person. I, I felt pretty confident with that. Cable, Cable surprised me a little bit, and this is actually like right in the middle of my favorite Cable run. It's Cable and Deadpool. So this and the offshoot Civil War tie-in from the Cable and Deadpool run was very interesting. Wade was given the authority to start bringing in superpowered people, and he was basically seeing it as having gone legit, finally back in the good graces of the U.S. government and a bona fide superhero. And Cable went to like insane lengths, basically, to <laughs> basically to get Deadpool kicked out. And he did it to save him. And Cable was actually super anti-registration, which su surprised me a little bit. But it, it stemmed from one of Cable's big flaws is having seen the future and kind of coming back and basically being kind of a know-it-all. And, and, and it's I mean, there's like legitimacy to what he says and does, but it's also probably very frustrating to be around him because he assumes he's right all the time. And basically he said, I've seen this future. And if we go through with this, it's horrible um but he did kind of break away from cap at the same time so he kind of was against it but didn't continue to work with cap it was kind of odd i don't know where he went that's interesting um yeah i think it's it's fascinating to see kind of which characters I, I was also fascinated by some of the villains and where they side um it's interesting whenever you know you see villains siding with one side of a superhero argument um, with the story, it kind of gets to a point where you see these heroes going back and forth, kind of debating on whose side they're going to take. One of the big pinnacles of this story is that you see Spider-Man unmasking himself at a press conference. It's really interesting because you get a juxtaposition with this and the Daily Bugle with J. Jonah Jameson uh, kind of throwing the towel in, getting mad, like, how could this be a thing? I've been working with this kid forever and I hate Spider-Man. Um, the Spider-Man is kind of the new poster boy because uh, he's one of the biggest ones with a secret identity. Uh, so he does that. And then meanwhile, the U.S. government starts a prison in the negative zone, similar to our favorite prison in Kingdom Come named Gulag. Uh, we get a similar situation here. Uh, Cap gains a following. There's a bunch of big battle that breaks out. Uh, one of the biggest ones that happens, there's this big battle and the Iron Man side is kind of losing. And then they bring in their big gun, which was a cloned version of Thor, who comes in and just shoots lightning at random people. Because apparently Thor was dead in continuity at this time, so Reed copied his consciousness and his powers into some sort of android. I don't know. But you lost, they lost me at that part. Um, but he kills Goliath, uh, one of the superheroes who's on Cap's side, and it made people question Iron Man. And in the end, people questioned cap as well because it was i question iron man because of his moral compass i question cap of his ability to protect his people so it's it's an interesting contrast to see well well and with goliath's death i would say that that that's kind of what tipped the scales and got black panther involved um because he was he was he didn't want to get involved right and then with goliath's death that's when he decided to step in so 
And it is worth noting that while I personally think this was the by far the dumbest move that Iron Man made in this entire charade, I do think it's worth noting that the Thor clone was supposed to have non-lethal protocols in place. Again, just still a huge mistake by Iron Man, idiotic almost, but at least his intentions were not for things to get lethal. And, and at no point were they ever. So that is worth mentioning, even if I think he mis misplayed his hand at this point. Yeah, I mean, good intentions, but you, you can't really miss the safety protocol on an android that's going into combat. <laughs> I felt like I felt like the new. You know who I related to the most in this comic was the new mutants or the whatever the new. What are they called? New Avengers. The new of the new warriors. I was like, they're like cut that out, and I was like, I, I think these are my people. Oh, new warriors, sorry, sorry. And then sorry. they all died, and I was like, oh, I gotta find new people to relate to. The new Avengers were involved, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, Ho what's his name? Hawk? No, no, no. Sorry, Hulkling. Hulkling He's cool. like half half Kree, half Scroll. Yeah. Um, and him and Wiccan end up dating. Or actually, they get married. Um, but he's got a super awesome... I mean, because he's half-scroll, right? So he can shapeshift and stuff. And so I thought it was kind of cool how they included the new Avengers in this. Um, I don't know if that's when the new Avengers are kind of introduced, or like the beginning of their writing. So either way, I thought it was kind of nice to include them in there. Yeah, so. I thought they had some huge roles in this too. Um, oh, yeah, tide-turning tide turning responsibilities for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, with the tides turning again, like we talked about people switching Peter at this point actually switches sides and join cap because he realizes he basically feels like Tony doesn't have anything under control. He Tony promised him that it would be non-lethal and he decides to go with cap because he feels like it's his moral obligation. He regrets his decision. It felt, this felt rushed to me a little bit. It was like, cause I mean, at the end of the comic, they're like, Oh, what have we been fighting for for the past several months? It's like, I do not feel like this has been happening over the past several months. It's been, seven issue mini series i felt like it was happening in a matter of weeks did you guys get that same vibe that it felt rushed for him to be flipping back and forth between the two yeah definitely it, it felt like if you were going to switch sides this quickly like how much thought did you even put into this i mean it's peter so probably not much <laughs> well and i think i think that's my biggest issue with this whole series uh mainly with cap and with spider-man it's like for the values that they have and the type of characters that they are i it's just kind of it's not very believable that they weren't detached from the situation and could kind of see um the long-term effects they just seem to act way too rationally which to me anyways is is not really their their character rationally or rationally oh, sorry irrationally oh, irrationally yeah, yeah. i agree yeah. i thought yeah i thought I think that's the hardest part about this is like you don't buy into any of the characters' real motivations except kind of Tony because I feel like he's easily manipulated by guilt. That was yeah. the only one that I felt like was realistic. I mean, then Reed's just a douche, so like I didn't question him at all. But the rest of them, I was like, how do you? I don't know. Yeah, I will say with with Spider-Man, they do something where he has the Iron Spider-Man suit when he's with yeah. Iron Man, and then he takes up his traditional suit when he goes to cap and i think there's kind of symbolism there like clinging on to the traditional and and makes sense because with cap and with spider-man looking at the history of marvel that's kind of like they're kind of like the pillars right and so i thought that was cool too i thought there yeah. were and side note i guess i thought it was kind of cool the bromance between luke cage and spider-man those street level new york heroes got yeah. each other next. I, yeah i've always liked that
Him, Daredevil, Iron Fist. Moon Knight. Yeah. That dude. Really cool. Luke's a cool guy. I, I like Luke Cage. I like all, honestly, that's my, one of my favorite parts about Marvel. <laughs> it's just the street level yeah. New York characters. That yeah, that's, somehow, that's their strength, honestly. That and the X Men are definitely yeah. the two. Nobody which is funny because that's basically all that hasn't made it into the MCU. So they've basically <laughs> been playing their, like, in my opinion, their worst cards and just knocking out of the park. Just imagine if they applied this quality to what makes their comics unique. Yeah, it's a, that's an interesting discussion. So back on kind of these street level characters, Peter's role in this is obviously very important. Uh, it does open up the discussion where I think we can talk a little bit. Mm, it's going to get into debate later, but for now, if we can talk a little bit about the pros and cons of, for a hero of registering, and then why are the pros and cons of not registering? Some of the biggest pros that I would think of registering, obviously, you're going to have more legitimacy. Um, there's going to be a lot less questionable morality. One of the things I think a lot of superheroes question is where is the line? Whereas if they're working for government, they no longer have to make that decision. Uh, I know Trey and I talk a lot about the Daredevil run where he accidentally kills someone and he doesn't have anyone backing him. Everyone's against him. And so it goes back to this idea of, well, if you have the government backing you, you do have more of a support system, obviously, than just being a vigilante on the street. Um, cons, obviously, you lose a lot of that freedom with that. Uh, what are some of the reasons that you think are why these heroes are going back and forth on the idea? Well, pros of registering. I actually thought the meat of Tony's plan was awesome. I thought giving them jurisdiction of a state, awesome. Like, yeah, that makes total sense. Like Captain America can't just swing by Brooklyn or no, he can't swing by Brooklyn, but he can't just swing by uh, San Francisco and start solving problems. That's not his jurisdiction. And you, you would think that the teams would be more organized, more effective, more structured. They would be compensated. Their their personal lives theoretically wouldn't suck as much. I actually thought if, if the plan basically stayed at creating super teams in each state, it's brilliant. I thought it was a very good plan. Uh, they started to dabble with like giving people powers, I think, which they didn't flesh out, but they were superheroes take or non superpowered people. It seemed like taking pills and then gaining powers. They didn't seem to go into that very much, but I think that was part of his plan to fill out the roster. I, I would say that's a no go for me. So he really strayed from the meat of what was a really awesome plan when he started cloning and creating superheroes. But uh, I could see a lot of pros to registering for sure. Um, I can't remember who made the argument, but they, they brought up the fact that it kind of weeds out, you know, the undisciplined or kind of the, the loose cannons and stuff, which it totally would. Plus, on top of that, the um, implementation of some sort of training, right? Because before it was just like you got powers and then you you use those powers to, to your will. Whether you were a hero, um, you kind of got a say in what you did. Let me ask this. I mean, if they're registering, let's the, the registration is the big part they're focusing on, right? It really, it really almost seems like that's like an eighty percent of the drawback is I don't want anyone to know my secret identity. But if your secret identity was deemed like ultra classified, top secret, what ten people in the United States would know your name? Is that that big of a deal? Like those secrets don't get out very often. Like that's not a crazy. That doesn't seem like that crazy of a concept to me, honestly. WikiLeaks. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, happened, I've got, right? I mean, I've got a couple. I've got a definitely a couple counter arguments to some of the pros of registering, but I think we can get into that probably a little bit more when we talk about why we side with who we side with. Do you guys kind of have 
the other side of it, pros to not registering. I think it's pretty obvious. Obviously, you're you're to yourself. You're more legitimate as far as no under answer to, so you can do your own thing, which is also scary in of itself. Well, but, you can't literally. You can't really do your own thing. I mean, the entire act of being an unsanctioned vigilante is completely illegal. So there's nothing legitimate about it. Like I, like you're not unless you're unless you're the Avengers, and the Avengers is an LLC or some kind of registered entity. And you have a contract to work with the government or the local police. Like you can't just do whatever you want. So like I, I don't see any side other than not personally wanting to risk you and your family's lives to registering. Like you can't just continue as normal because you're not what you're doing is illegal. Yeah, but they put it. They turned a blind eye to it for so long. So they turned a blind eye to it for so long, and now just barely now they're like, oh wait. An, an accident occurred, so now we have to open our eyes. I think that's where I, I have the issue with it. It was like, okay, well, vigilantes have been around for a while. You weren't mad at them when they were cleaning up your streets, but now all of a sudden you are. So that's where I get confused with it is I, I see what you're saying with the idea of, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of benefits. Technically, what you're doing is illegal, but what you've been doing is illegal for a while, and they, they haven't come to the part of them. They weren't unanimously beloved, I don't think. I mean, that's been a recurring theme in Spider-Man forever. And basically yeah. Daredevil and any really street. I mean, yeah, the Avengers, if you want to go like the super teams, they kind of operated whatever. I don't even know. I mean, I honestly felt like they were government sanctioned. Because but who's doing more who's doing more damage? I mean, Spider-Man on the streets or the Hulk and Iron Man blowing up buildings? Like it's just interesting that they turn a blind eye to the Avengers, but they're more worried about the street level vigilantes. Well, but the Avengers like literally work with the government. Like, are we saying that there's there were not they were not sanctioned in any capacity? Because they, I mean, they literally work with government officials all the time. They work with Shield. Shield is a government entity. They Which basically dispatch from Shield. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that that is a good argument. Um, the other thing too is like the fear of being kind of in control of the government, and when you have absolute power it destroys absolutely. So when you have an entire team, like literally hundreds of superheroes that you can, you know, demand or not demand things from them, uh, that could get, that could obviously get a little, little dicey, right? Yeah, I think if it were more, one thing I like about the movie is that I believe in, in the movie, it's the UN, it's not just the US. But there's a big difference with that because it's on a global level. I think I get more behind that. The fact that it's like, yeah, you guys all need to register to be our government agents. It's like that's that has a lot of weight to it. Whereas if it's the UN and it's like, oh, this is supported by multiple nations, now it's going to be I'm working to help the world out, not whatever the president or the executive team of the government thinks I need to do. That's where I really draw the line is it's like you are basically a government agent doing whatever you're told with these types of powers. So you're a weapon. That's all you are at this point. Well... I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't know the best time to bring this up, but I feel like the solution is kind of obvious. And obviously they didn't want to come up with an obvious solution because they wanted to write a story with a conflict. But I feel like if they all operated as government contractors who could break that contract at any point, like, okay, I don't agree with what you're doing. I don't have to accept this job. You're not salaried. You don't have benefits. You're paid. You're compensated. You operate with jurisdiction, but you also draw the line when you say, no, I'm not going to go hurt those innocent people. Whatever they're worried the government's going to tell them to do. I feel like that's the happy medium that theoretically they should have come to or should come to if this is still like, I don't know, there's a civil war too. I don't know if it's still still an active conflict or if that's even about registration, but I think that is the solution. I'm, I'm a liability guy. So I do think if you're going to run around with weapons, you need to have 
insurance and you need to be, be able to have be held liable for the damage you cause if it is outside the scope of your of your duties yeah i do i do think and trey you touched on this earlier i do think that there was a good compromise at the end where it's not ran at the federal level but ran at the state level so there is more flexibility through that um so i do i i will say in the argument for tony that that compromise in the end is kind of what swayed me more towards Tony's side than than Caps. Yeah, I think my problem is that wasn't the idea that was initially presented. I mean, I see you're saying that's that's a compromise that comes at the end, but it's if we're looking at it face value, these are the options that we have. I mean, yeah, obviously the compromise five years down the road, those it's going to get fleshed out. Then we get to the middle, and it's going to be good. But as of right now, where it's very two extremes, and it's like okay, I have to pick one or the other for the debate. It's, well, if you if you bring me in, if you bring me an idea though, and I just say screw you, I hate your idea. I don't think the onus is on you to come up with a perfect idea. You brought it to me. I would say, if I'm Cap and you're Iron Man, you brought me this idea. I would think that the idea of the compromise is partially the responsibilities on Cap. Like, okay, you yeah. hate this idea, come up with a compromise. I don't think it's on Tony to come up with a perfect plan. I don't love Tony's motivation because it took someone spitting in his face and crying in front of him to realize the damage he did, and he seems like he's driven emotionally, but. He is the only one who makes an effort to make amends. Like, I didn't see Cap do anything to make amends. He basically was just like, no, you're not going to tell me what to do, even though he's literally like a member of the military. And so I I don't know. There's almost nothing that could be said that would make me side with Cap. I hated his behavior in the entire <laughs> comic. It was terrible. <laughs> there were a lot of terrible characters and terrible decisions in this in this whole series can I, can I have a segment to read sue's letter to read can i just like have a speaking, segment speaking of <laughs> terrible terrible okay. decisions okay so we first a little bit kind of like the beginning of this debate the beginning of the beginning of what happens with these characters uh with spider-man coming to this the side of cap that's where things really take off and where the teams are more solidified um punisher even is the one that brings spidey into the team and he wants cap to respect him and give him a place on the team and Cap bites, which he shouldn't have. Um, it comes to a point where villains come to help Cap because something had happened on Iron Man's side where, like, Taskmaster and a few people came to help him. And the villains show up at Cap's doorstep and Punisher, without even thinking, just shoots them and kills them. And it's like, I hate you so much. You were the worst type of human. <laughs> <laughs> and Cap's so like, you ridiculous. can't do this. And kicks him out. Um, well, what's cool about that exchange is Cap starts to beat the living daylights out of Frank Castle, and Frank is like, kind of just taking it like punch after punch He's not even blocking and uh cap goes oh yeah cap goes you know defend yourself fight like a man and he goes no not against you and, and it's pretty cool to see like an unhinged character like frank castle have a line somewhere that he won't cross yeah because he basically yeah. what what and what was actually probably one of the coolest things that happened in this comic book was somebody basically saying like, Oh, why does he have like such an undying respect for cap? And someone says they're basically the same person. They just came back from two different wars, <laughs> which I thought was fascinating because cap came back from world war two, which was super black and white, right? The Nazis were bad. The Americans were good. Everything was easy. Right. And that completely identifies him as a character. He sees things in black and white. And then you got Frank castle who came back from Vietnam, which was a, horribly gray conflict where you never knew who was the enemy and a lot of those people came back 
after having a really hard time in Vietnam. I thought that was a fascinating comparison to make, and I actually agree with it in a lot of ways, which only furthers my double down disgust of Cap when he basically goes, no, you're wrong. This man's insane. I was like, okay, you're a douche, Cap. Let <laughs> Frank Castle have like this one, this one redeeming-ish quality. Yeah, it's uh, that's a uh, that's one of my favorite moments in the whole comic. Honestly, is seeing how it, his mistake with Punisher comes back to bite him. <laughs> and I remember reading that panel, and I was like, "Wait, what? These people just got murdered? Like, what?" I was like, "Oh yeah, I forgot Punisher's right behind Cap and has will not cross. Like, if it, if someone has any bad bone in their body, he wants to murder them. I'm like, well, do you want to shoot yourself? Then? Like, this is getting really dark. I don't know what you're supposed to do with your life. Um. But so after that conflict, they decide it's time to go. They want to round up all the heroes that have been put in prison. So they develop a plan. They go to the negative zone to pick them up. When they arrive, uh, Iron Man's waiting for them. He's like, oh, we had an agent on your team. And it was Tigra. And then it was like, I feel like I was watching a Kung Fu movie where it's like, I've got more people around you. No, I've got more people around you. And it's like goes back and forth where they all have like all these double agents. So Tigra was a double agent for Tony. And then Cap was like, but wait, we've got one on your team too. And turns out Hake Pym was Hulkling. I just thought it was a pretty cool reveal, but it was still that same idea. Like, well, how many double agents can we have? Um, so Hulkling was Hank Pym and had released all the prisoners. Um, and they come back to fight. One moment I wanted to bring up that I forgot that I loved is Daredevil. Because I love Daredevil in this comic. When he gets put in prison, he has a silver dollar that he's saving. And he gives it to Tony. And Tony's like, why are you giving me money? And he's like, well, I think with this one, it'll put you at 31 pieces. Have a good day, Judas, or something like that. Like, just this total Christian character, like, using a biblical reference to Tony to make him feel awful about what he's doing. It was a, it was a mic drop moment for me for, for Daredevil. Um, but So the big fight happens. Obviously, something breaks out. In the end, Namor actually comes to the side of Cap to help him because apparently they're buddies. Trey, do you know much about that relationship? I don't know much about Namor like you do. Yeah, they worked together in World War II. Namor is super old. Um, yeah. Actually, the offshoot comic talks about how Namor worked with Cap and the original, not the original Black Panther, I don't know for sure, but T'Challa's grandfather. And Namor is pretty averse to helping humans, but Cap is like one of the few characters that he considers like a friend and an ally. Because, I mean, they go back like 80 plus years. So it was interesting that he was pretty offended that Cap didn't come himself. And he's a super prideful person. Um, but I like that. I, I like very flawed characters. So I guess this is not news. I, I, I think I like how so, they're just not displayed as paragons all the time. So I like that. I'm really confused with the um, exchange that he had with Sue. <laughs> Can you break that down? Because is he referring to him and her? Or is when he's talking about her heart. Yeah. So they've had like, let me pull up the comic. They talked about it in this offshoot. <clears throat> excuse me. When the offshoot is basically a sit down between Namor and T'Challa and Storm. And he basically retells that story about working in World War II with the, the original Black Panther, the grandfather. And he mentions that basically he and Sue have had like, attraction to each other or he's had attraction to sue and she hasn't like hated him for it but ultimately married reed something to that effect like not in a creepy way um but steve knowing that 
Namor's always had a thing for Sue, sent Sue as a diplomat, and Namor was like kind of offended because he's like, you you would think that I have a weak spot for this woman, so you send her to negotiate for you. Like I, I agree, it's kind of a kind of a cowardly move. Yeah. I'm really not a very big cap fan, honestly. And maybe that's the diplomatic thing to do, and maybe I'm just not a diplomat. I don't know. And now maybe- that you've ex- now that you've explained that, oh man, that like made me cringe. I was like terrible terrible leadership quality right there yeah can I, instead of being myself can i have a sidebar please i i tried to get you guys to read this side comic from civil war 2 because i knew that a large portion of this podcast would be cap smashing so this is like 10 years in the future it's like placed right after basically sam becomes falcon or sam becomes captain america and john walker becomes u.s agent and john walker is shown to have basically be like frank castle in the sense that he has like a very 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 profound respect for captain america and would do anything he, he he knows he's not worthy to be captain america but respects all that cap is and basically tries his best to be a flawed version of cap and sam does some stuff he's very much a man of the people and kind of goes against the government to protect people and there's nothing wrong with that but basically the public ba- lashes out at sam and they start like hashtag take back the shield trying to get sam to turn himself in stop being captain america and all of a sudden u.s agent shows up and is basically like all right sam i know you're doing your best but I would know better than anyone that it, you know we can't live up to Steve's legacy, and he's the one that should have the shield. And they throw down basically, and John Walker kicks the living crap out of him for like four pages. It's pretty insane. And then all of a sudden, uh, Sam is like basically on death's door, and he's like, "I have to." He sees it. This is not a joke. He sees an owl, and he's like, <laughs> "I have to take this fight to where only I can win it." And he picks up John, and he dra- flies him into a tunnel where it's pitch black. And then he, there's a bunch of owls in there and he uses, he can see through them. Like, it's so painful. It's so <laughs> painful. Like, it's unbelievable that they actually use that as a, like, basically a deus ex machina was his bird powers. Um, but the they always until it's convenient for him. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I thought we, I thought this wasn't a thing. Um, but the best part of this whole thing is at the very end, um, Basically, there's a scene where the government calls in John Walker and they're like, hey, we need you to take we need you to take Sam down. He's he's gone rogue. We need you to take him down. And he's basically like, no, I'm not going to do it. And he's like, if you want to take that shield from him, you need the man it belongs to to do it. You need Steve Rogers. And Steve walks in and he goes, I'm sorry for all the smoke and mirrors. This is sensitive. And he basically says. I need you to take in my friend because it would be too hard for me and it's too personal and I don't want Sam to be mad at me. Like, what a coward. It's crazy. It's crazy. He's basically like, John basically says, stop. All you have to do is ask. As far as I'm concerned, there's only one man that should ever carry the shield and that's you. And Steve says, I appreciate that. But Sam is still a friend and a good man. He's just lost his way. If he ever found out I asked you to do this, it would kill him. And John goes, not a problem, Cap. This mission stays confidential. Oh, gosh. What a freaking douche. Are you kidding me? Man up, sack up, and go stop your friend if you need stopping. I don't know how that's resolved, to be honest. So I don't know if Sam was right or not. Is there Cap- is there a word for coward, hypocrite, <laughs> traitor? Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> And yet they keep shoving it down our throats that he's the paragon of morality. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, that hurts. <laughs> I, I, I don't like, I read that and I was just like almost like dropped my iPad. I was like, this is what I've been waiting for. This is concrete <laughs> evidence that Cap sucks. <laughs> Which is a gr great, great uh, kind of transition to kind of wrap up the story here because Cap is his side is basically winning right and then he gets tackled by civilians and this part like i i was just like i'm so glad that this is the last last issue because if there was any more like i would have refused to to continue so reading you felt that strongly he just it straight up bad. quits straight yeah. up quits and i'm just like here you have this guy and i mentioned it before with spider-man as well here you have this guy whose character his his whole value his he's this great leader right and throughout this entire series he can't detach himself from the situation and see that this is going to happen like it's so obvious that this is the buildup that's going to lead to all of this destruction and then all of a sudden when he gets tackled by these civilians that's when he realizes and he's just like oh okay like this isn't worth the fight anymore it's just like you were 98 percent there you're almost fully committed and that's why i get so frustrated and that's why i side with tony because at least tony committed to a decision and that's yeah, the think, biggest thing so i off of that i just this part drove me crazy and i'll talk a little more about when we get deeper into the debate i i support team cap but i don't support captain america like i hate him as the leader so i you have to separate the registration act with him because this he's awful like this moment is so bad when he's just like, oh, nope, full full circle. You guys are right. I'm wrong. It's like, well, they were telling you this the whole time that people didn't want it, but you felt like your morality was more than theirs. So that's why you pushed it. And now you're coming back on that because now it's like, it's more personal. So, no, like if you believe in it, then then fight for it. Obviously don't be careful with your civilians, but like. But basically it was like, wait, people don't like me anymore. All right, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to do this anymore. Like that was all it was. It was terrible. And I agree with what Jojo said. I mean, they even mentioned it several times, like to make these amends, Tony Stark spent like billions of dollars. Like he built the prison. He built the monument to those children. Like I, again, I think he was flawed throughout this, but he put himself out there. Like, I don't know. Cap just wanted business to continue as usual. I mean, Luke Cage, like verbally said several times, he just wanted to keep doing what he was doing and that's fine, but you're not, you're not risking anything really on your own. I, I, very one-sided argument in my in my opinion and it was kind of almost insulting to see that the the movies made it so much about bucky after reading this and he's not even in it like yeah. what and peter I, you know it's almost like they used civil war to introduce peter because he had a big role in the comics but like he didn't do any of that so it was again just weird weird choices by the mcu yeah and i i think that kind of actually gives a, a good transition into the mcu version because obviously End of the story, he gives up, he ends up registering, and that's what happens. But in the movie, there's a lot of differences that I, it's weird. I do think the story in the comics is better, but there are things I respect about the movie and the MCU better. One of the biggest differences, I don't know Tony's motivation that much in the comic. This idea of, oh, I got spit on. He's not that associated with the new warriors. It's very, very far away. In the movies, it's different because who's the one that created Ultron that caused the Sokovian accident? It's Tony, and he knows that he knows that he was basically a villain in that moment because of his terrible mistake. Like him making Ultron was a terrible decision on Tony's part, and so he feels very responsible personally for when uh, that 
exchange student or the intern, whatever it was that died in Sokovia, he feels more related to that. And that's why he feels so strongly and passionate about it. I, I don't see why Cap is, or sorry, why Tony's so passionate about it in the comic. Cause I just don't see the motivation that much. It's like, okay, I'm sorry that me being a hero and saving people inspired other people to try. Yeah, they went overboard, but I, I shouldn't be held responsible for that. So well, you, it's hard to get behind him in the comic. Yeah, your point being he didn't really have the jurisdiction to start telling people what to do or negotiating on behalf of all superheroes. I, I don't know if – I personally don't know. Maybe he was more in that position. Like maybe he and Cap were like co-leaders of the Avengers and therefore were authorized to speak. I don't know, genuinely. I agree. If you just isolate this comic, which I think these things all have to be evaluated in isolation, I think you're right. I think where do you get off starting to negotiate with the government on our behalf? Totally agree. Yeah. yeah. I, I think the movie – I, you know, I enjoyed the movie the first time I watched it, and it's one of those ones that I've never gone back and in, really enjoyed watching again. I mean, you've got your token stuff that makes it valuable, where they introduce Black Panther, which was awesome. They introduced Spider-Man, which was awesome. And then there's the big airport fight scene, but like besides that, I don't enjoy it, and I probably won't ever watch it again. To juxtapose that, I've watched Ragnarok dozens of times. So it's not I, that I don't like re-watching Marvel movies. I just don't want to re-watch that one. <clears throat> I feel like Civil War hides behind the introduction of new characters and they hide behind it and don't reveal the bad writing of the story. Like, oh yeah, Black Panther's in it. That's really cool. Oh yeah, Peter Parker comes into it. Oh wow, this is all cool stuff. But then you look at the story without them and you're like, wait a second, this was really bad. Like, Tony's so intelligent, but he blames Bucky, even though Black Bucky was hypnotized, which we talked about ad nauseum here. It's just, there's not, the thing I like more about the comic is it's a very set, you either agree with this registration or you don't. If you're fighting, it's because you agree or you don't. In the movies, they changed it in the end where it's like Zemo's been behind it the whole thing. And it's really about an emotional state of Tony Stark, which it's it's just, I can't get behind it that much. Yeah, I think it's, it's definitely a movie that was a short-term impact, like kind of like a firework, just pretty colors exploded. It's just like, wow, but then it fizzes out, right? And I think long-term, it's kind of just it's kind of just a, a movie that that pushes other stories forward, right? It's a, it's a vehicle movie, basically. So I'm in agreement with that. Um, I can't really say that I liked the comic more than the movie. At least the, the movie had me entertained. This was, this was hard for me to read. Um, <laughs> I will, I, I kind of do want to talk, kind of transition out of this. I do want to talk about um, just just the time with Kingdom Come, something that kept coming back to me. Because if if you were just to talk to someone and bring up, okay, if there were a civil war in DC and if there were a civil war in Marvel, you know, which characters could you mirror or parallel with? And a lot of people would assume that, oh, Cap and Batman, you would relate because they have those leadership qualities really cap and we've talked about this before with the kingdom come episode really cap is more like superman where he makes too quick of a decision that ends up blowing up in his face and then he both of them at the end want to kind of be these heroes right and so cap is this hero because he at the very last minute he decides that oh it, this isn't worth fighting for look what we've done and same with Superman, right? He's he's the one that wants to kind of be the center spotlight. And then Shazam kind of steals his thunder by sacrificing himself 
Um, I, I guess that's more of a personal opinion, a personal view um, for me on that. But I, yeah, you, you would really think that Cap and Batman would be more relatable. But in this instance, Superman and Cap are, are kind of the mirrors of each other. And then Tony and Batman, which I guess is a little inevitable, but are because they both commit to decisions, right? Whether you like the decisions or not, in the end, they both commit fully to it. Um, and there isn't really a Wonder Woman in this story. <laughs> so maybe that's why it didn't it yeah. wasn't as impactful for me. Well, yeah, the story didn't give you an everyman to relate to in that, okay, you're both wrong. Here's kind of who should have been leading the discussion all the time. That, that character didn't really exist. It was basically like choose between Tony or Cap. And the inevitable is you, they're kind of both wrong. So you choose the middle ground. I, I agree. Yeah. I think that Cap and Iron Man, uh, Cap and Superman's idealism sounds great. And we give them the benefit of the doubt of being good people. But they're, they lack the pragmatism, I think, to lead for real. Um, it's something that Invincible really, really hits on that I love. Is like you, Mark starts out very idealistic. And he's like, well, we heroes should just do hero stuff and we should save people. And then he starts to like make decisions that impact people's lives. And he makes a lot of mistakes and people die. And then he's like, whoa, wait a minute. This is, being a leader is not the same thing as being a superhero. And he starts yeah. to make those harder decisions that aren't as heroic in the, the sense of swooping in and saving the day. And he starts to become a true leader at the end. And you know it's it's a these it's hard to it's hard to describe a character arc for one of these like immortal marvel characters because they don't really have an end right so they're just forever in the middle like how much do they change right i mean iron man still has to have a running comic in 10 years he's not going to have a full character development completion in the mid 2000s so i i think it's it's part of that's part of the problem but anyway i don't know if that made sense Basically, the, the one who's right here is invincible. That's all I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, and we'll touch on this a little bit more, kind of when we look at this in general comics, that this idea of kind of the idealistic heroes versus the more uh, heroes that do work in the gray and kind of who wins in those discussions and those battles and why they're always penned against each other. I think to tie up kind of just our, our conversation on just Civil War, Obviously, you guys are team Team Iron Man, and I'm assuming that's where you guys both stand. So what I'll say as kind of the the underdog here, two v one, I have some pretty strong points against it. I think as a comic book reader, it's just as a reader, it's not as interesting this idea of everyone being government agents, the idea that they can go out and do anything the government wants. And I think you bring up Invincible is a good point because Mark starts that way doing whatever the government wants, doing whatever Cecile wants. And then he turns him down because he realizes the grayness that Cecile does. And he makes a decision that, no, I, I, I don't want to work with you because I don't agree with everything you're doing. So there's heroes like that. I think another thing that I, I struggle with this comic that I mentioned is the idea that Captain America is terrible. I think Tony's terrible too. I, I honestly don't like either one of those characters. Like they're the pinnacles of Marvel, which Again, the MCU focuses so much on them, and I, I'm not a huge fan of either of them. Can you so, can you pinpoint where you? I mean, I think Tony made some logistical missteps and some bad decisions, 
But I actually didn't think he really came across as that big of a douche unless you're really leaning into him speaking for everyone, you know, and he wasn't authorized to do it. I don't think everyone. he actually was a, the characterized as a, as kind of a jerk. He really was characterized as earnestly trying to do what was best, and I just thought he was over his head. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I guess the thing that made me made it hard for me to get behind him is just the idea of him speaking for everyone without taking into fact. I mean, what does Tony have to lose? Nothing. He's he's a public figure. He doesn't have a secret identity. So yeah, everyone can work for the government because I don't care. I I'm a billionaire. I everyone knows who I am, and it's been fine. And Reed Richards is it's the same argument. Whereas if I look at Daredevil, Daredevil born again what happens when his identity comes out? And we might say, well, yeah, but this is just the government getting into this. No one's going to get involved. But when you have characters like Kingpin who have people very high on his payroll, it's going to get out to people know about it. So I, I, that's I where I struggle with it so much is this idea that he speaks for everyone without having much to lose for it. I agree with you that he may not be authorized to speak for everyone however the alternative is the government was going to come to that decision and pass that bill without superhero involvement and if he didn't get involved if no one got involved they were still going to pass just think about how laws work in general they're still going to pass something they just wouldn't have superhero input tony wouldn't have been able to protect their identities like he kind of closed out the story saying at least now i'm involved enough to be able to oversee the protection and the encryption of the data I can build the superhero prison. I can work to get amnesty for the ones who don't become registered. So it would have happened anyway. It just would have been a more brutal plan that superheroes didn't get to weigh in on. I don't think Tony sitting it out would have avoided the whole thing. And I don't know but who sir, would have been more qualified to speak than him. Yeah, but so then the point comes across as, okay, you say that, but what's going to happen when the government comes against all these superheroes without a poster child of a superhero? You're going to have a civil war now between the government and the superheroes. And that would have been worse. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's just a confusing situation in general, but I just don't think his involvement really helps the situation. I think it just causes more confusion with having that superheroes and kind of standing by with what you've been doing the whole time. He's been doing this the whole time and it's been fine. Like I, I think there's like concrete evidence that this would have gone way worse if Tony didn't mediate. I think it would have, I honestly, I, I can't get behind Tony's decision on this at all. Like anything, I can't get behind his actions. Is it, but is it because of his character or because of his decision? So let's say that you switch the roles and it was Cap making those decisions, would you get behind it? No, because I don't like either of them. I, I, I'm, as a comic book reader, I've stood very stanley by the point of secret identities. Like that's very tied to the comic book industry. So to, in order to get rid of that, you're taking out, first of all, on a publication level, you're taking out a lot of the storytelling that is a big part for these characters. I mean, how much of the characters you read about where the secret identity coming out causes fiascos. And now all of a sudden we're going to say, oh no, we're going to get, a, we're going to get away with that. You have to work as a government agent. You have to do what the government says because they're dogs to the government at that point. They don't have, you say jurisdiction, but they have to answer to the U.S. government, which now who's the one making the decisions of what's okay and what's not okay? But they are citizens of the U.S. government and have to report to them anyway. It's not like what they're doing is acceptable. Like I keep coming back to this point. Like if they kill someone without, without if they kill anybody, anybody, even a bad guy without a badge, essentially – they technically should go to court and go to trial. So this would just 
make them break fewer laws. And you made a point earlier about how like nobody wants to watch like a bunch of super teams. Like we read a lot of comics about super teams. Like they're very popular. I, I actually think like even from a comic no, I perspective, I didn't say that though. <laughs> you said something like that. I said government agents. That's different. No, you said government. The team, they work separately from the government. Right. I'm just saying you really couldn't see yourself in reading a comic book about a superhero team that just is officially sanctioned by the government in New York or San. Like I don't no, know. No, no. I would read it, but it's just it is taking out some of the core, the core stories that we read about in comics. I mean, Daredevil right now is in prison as Daredevil, not as Matt Murdock, because he they don't want him to reveal his secret identity. Like that's an interesting story to tell and the narrative's cool and you're getting rid of that with the superhero registration act you're essentially reading books which is what you're getting in the mcu to a, a big a big a big point of people working exactly as the government wants them to because most people are government agents well i think i mean i think the fact that mephisto literally is brought in as a plot device to undo peter's secret identity means that you are right from a storytelling standpoint However, I, I think personally what I'm trying to evaluate is if Civil War and all these heroes existed in the real world, I think I would care less about their secret identities and I would agree with the idea that they should be held liable, registered. So I, to, if you could take away the idea of super secret identities from a literary standpoint, don't you start to see the logic behind registration in a real world setting a little bit more? A little bit more. I still struggle with the idea of the biggest thing that comes to me is like the villains. The minute a villain finds out at some point, that's these heroes are going to get screwed for it. And so that's where it comes back for me again with this idea with Tony, Reed Richards, all these characters, even Cap. Like they know who they are, they're not hidden, but it's the little guys and Peter Parker and, you know, Daredevil and Moon Knight. Like these are the characters in New York that are going to struggle when their identities come out because their villains are going to come back at them. Like, I know I use this again, born again, you see his whole life go to crap because of his identity getting out. So you're essentially punishing these people for trying to do what's right. I see what you mean with the liability. I think there needs to be, there is a compromise. I'm not saying that. I'm not trying to completely get behind it. I just, the idea for me is just, it's hard. It's hard for me to grasp, to be honest. Okay. But it is the idea, not just the fact that it was Tony's idea, right? No, yes. Like if Matt had said, I, I, Matt Murdock had said this, you would still feel this way. Yeah. Uh, doubt, yeah. I, I, I really I, I, call I, it the doubt flicker. You have not, you, <laughs> it's just because you get Tony. But I do hate the idea too. Yeah. But I do think that if Matt Murdock was a member of a government sanctioned team, he wouldn't have an enemy like Kingpin because they would take him down more methodically and it would be like, oh, I hate the US government, not, oh, I hate that one cop that showed up at my door you know what i mean so i think it would it would solve itself if we're being honest but you like your secret identities and i think that's that's fair it's it's just it's it's one of my favorite parts about i mean it's just an interesting idea of having the alter ego so i think it is kind of uh, that's tough to say though because you as a reader know their identities so to say that you're behind behind secret identities that's easy right. for it's easy as a reader to say from your perspective because you know their secret right. identities. Not always. There are comics where the, the identity isn't revealed to the reader. In a series called Fifty Two, there's a whole for about fifty issues of the comic. There's a superhero named Nova and Supernova, and you have no idea who it is the whole time. And like 
that as a story device was super cool too because there's a superhero and you don't know who it is like that is super intriguing to me too so i see what you're saying but i mean i see what you're saying too as far as like i personally enjoy spider-man because he lives a normal life and it's separate from his his alter ego i get that and i'm not trying to debate that i want to read a bunch of stories about government sanctioned superheroes i'm just saying if you take this and you apply it to real life and my neighbor is a superhero i think they should probably be regulated by the u.s government and i think this is kind of another example of comics villainizing the united states government which we're seeing a lot of if the boys the falcon winter soldier this is a very hot topic right now for whatever reason you know obviously this is probably politics trickling into comics and i think it's interesting that kingdom come was written at a time where the government was in a way different light and there were a couple comments made in kingdom come that i thought were very interesting but if we started to compare to kingdom come i don't know where where would you guys start with those comparisons i i think the the it's like i mentioned earlier it's so easy just to compare characters to characters um but if you really broke it down to storytelling um although there are parallels i think the biggest thing for me with kingdom come is it's a more complex story and i like complexity because it feels more realistic you have so many different perspectives and really like like norman says and and you as a as a reader see that there isn't really any right or wrong in that situation whereas this one I mean, we're seeing it right now with the arguments that, that we're making. It's so easy to, honestly, it's so easy to lean one way or lean the other way or sit on a fence. There isn't really this gray area where it's just like, well, I can see it from this side or I can see it from this side. And it, to be honest, it kind of sucks that Doctor Strange is in it for like two seconds, who's trying to put, technically he's supposed to be the, the I guess, the all-seeing eye that kind of gives you that that balancing kind of perspective like Norman does. But I mean, he gets like three panels. So it's it it just doesn't doesn't do it as far as storytelling and it being a complex story that you can really relate to and get into. I think I think part of that, Joe, what you're Jojo, what you're hitting on is it never felt complex because it never really strayed from being tony's perspective versus cap's perspective it was like always them and i agree i thought it would go to the side characters and how does daredevil really feel about it how does peter really feel about it but like they were never shown if they were like outside of a room from tony or cap basically i mean it was basically if they talked about somebody else or someone else said something it was because they were in a meeting with cap or, or steve or cap or tony which i thought was super weak like you really you really think these are the only two characters worth showing or talking about or having make impactful decisions it was just a weird decision honestly well and on that thought like another perspective that would have been cool is what are what is the perspective of the new avengers who are in direct competition with the new warriors and how did that influence or how did that impact them seeing you know comrades of their own age or even maybe that they knew and and the effect that that had and yeah just yeah, you're right. Just the the varying perspectives. And then I mean the only other perspectives that you get is the love letters of Sue and and Reed Richards which were just beyond cringy and beyond 
inappropriate for the story, right? Like it didn't do anything for the story. It didn't add anything. Yeah, I think one thing interesting with those is it's just like they they try to show the flip floppiness of it and making that where the ambiguity comes in, but it doesn't serve its purpose. Whereas, like you mentioned, Jojo, with Kingdom Come, you won't, you have like five different leaders trying to get their own agenda across in that story. You've got Superman. You've even got the Spectre trying to show where the judgment should be placed. You've got Lex Luthor. You've got Batman. You've got Wonder Woman. You've got Aquaman who doesn't care. Like you see all these different sides to the perspective. Whereas this, like you guys mentioned, it's Iron Man and it's Cap, and everyone else falls in line somewhere along there. Even Namor in the end, who's supposed to be, I would have liked if he wouldn't have showed up at the end as kind of a Deus Machina. I would have liked him just like, nah, I'm good. Like I don't want to get involved with this. Well, and, I, and I, the only thing I'll say in Marvel's defense, because we have slammed this comic pretty hard, and I think it's fair criticism because like all the things we've said didn't make it into the main meat of the story one way or the other, but there are a very high number of offshoot comics. Most of the Marvel comics that were running at that time had at least one issue that was related to Civil War. Uh, I read two of them, which was Namor, and then I also read Cable and Deadpool. So I know that, that some of that existed, those other perspectives, that may be worth reading, but it, they didn't work enough of it into the main meat for me. Uh, that that said, Namor's comic did illustrate that these other nations run by super superpowered people were afraid of the long-term impact of the Superhero Registration Act. And I think that was valid. So if you just read the main meat, yeah, it seems a little bit like a deus ex machina. But when you sit down and have a conversation between the king and queen of Wakanda and the king of Atlantis, it makes a little more sense why they ultimately got involved. But yeah. I agree with you again. If you have to, you have to evaluate in a vacuum. And in these seven issues, it didn't, it didn't feel widespread enough. Which yeah. is so disappointing because, from what I've heard, especially being you know the one that's obviously newer to comics and stuff, I've always heard that this is one of the best stories in all of comics. And maybe that's just what I've heard. Maybe I'm just. I don't I don't know but maybe I'm totally wrong in that regard but it was just it was a total flop for me yeah it's interesting you bring that up because this was actually one of the first comics I read because of a statement like that so you're right on point like I read this comic because when Winter Soldier came out everyone was talking about it was going to lead into Civil War and so I was like oh I want to go read that comic it sounds cool and at the time being the first comic I read I loved it but I think that transitioned into idea where naturally we like to see our heroes pitted against each other. And it's probably a topic for another day as to why we want to do this. But like you mentioned with Iron Man and Cap, you always have these two different ideologies and showing how they come together and how they fight each other. Um, Superman and Batman is the same thing. Even the Batman vs Superman movie, they put that in the title to attract people. And in the end, they work together to fight it. It's like, well, you just put the verses there to get people riled up. So we get this idea of characters who are naturally pitted against each other all the time. And as fans, we love it. And in the end, the people who win are the companies because we just keep throwing money into these ideas. On those ide ideologies, do you guys think there's another reason why they, they always pit our heroes against each other? I, mean, I think you can only beat up on your rogues gallery for so long. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you can only beat up the Tinker and the Joker for so many years before you got to at least change it up. I I think it's interesting because it, it, it creates more of an interesting debate between fans too. I mean, there's going to be people that naturally love Cap and there's going to be people that naturally love Iron Man and it's going to spark some kind of 
debate. And you don't get that when Batman's fighting Joker because just like a podcast, if everyone knows who's right or everyone agrees that Batman's right, what are you going to talk about? I think it's definitely definitely some of that. And it's based on the relationship as well, right? Like what caused them to go that far away from from their their relationship that pitted them against each other, right? So that's always intriguing regardless of regardless if it's in comics or movies or in real life. Like, is it more intriguing to see Trey and I fight or me and some random dude? Yeah. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I feel like, too, for me, it's more interesting when the different ideologies come together. Like, I love it in Avengers when Iron Man and Cap realize, like, oh, go put your suit on. Like, that moment of, oh, go put your suit on because now we have to get over our differences and fight together. Like, that to me is more interesting because in our, and to tie this to the whole kind of wrapping it up, in the world, the more diverse characters you have in our lives, the better you're going to be able to accomplish goals. I have different views than you guys. You have different views than me. I have different views than the person I work with sitting next to me. As we can come together with these different ideas and ideologies, that's when things are done, not by getting put against each other. So that's kind of my last thought on the whole idea is I like the idea of seeing them pitted against each other, but I hate it with this, the ending of just, oh, nope, I just quit. Like, I, I want to see them come to a common goal. And I look at this story and I look at Iron Man going to Cap and saying, hey, we need to work together on this. And Cap saying, no, I don't want to and running away. To heck with that. To heck with that. <laughs> Am I wrong? I don't think I'm wrong. No, I agree with you on compromise. I just, the story doesn't have a compromise in it. I feel like I, yeah. Well, this, this was definitely a great discussion. I think especially because we, we have the movie version. We have something, a, a similar story to compare it to. Um, and then obviously we have our own ideas and ideologies, um, not with just how comics should be written, but how maybe scenarios can, can differ with ideologies. So with that, we invite you guys um, to follow us on Instagram. Um, we just reached 1,000 followers, I believe it was about a week ago which is pretty awesome. So let your friends know and let's push for that 5K and keep climbing. So thanks guys, have a beautiful night.